0: Do you, talk, do you talk to it and say, like, you filthy you scoundrel or anything? Scoundrel.
1: No, but Rascal. I did say some expletives when I was doing it. <laughs> I was doing an interview, oh, last week or something, and it decided to update, and apparently, like, Windows 10 just sucks, and I had no uh, idea. <laughs> just, like, just forced an update in the middle of my interview, and it was like, oh, cool, cool, cool.
2: <laughs> People don't use the word scoundrel anymore. They should. They we should. should. We should bring that back. I want to bring that back and also say, what gives?
1: Say what gives.
2: Yeah, like if you know if someone's having a bad day or if they give you a cross look, you say, say, what gives?
1: I'll start incorporating it like immediately. Yeah.
0: Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts.
3: This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Sabre Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Hello,
2: welcome to Meet the Pressers. My name is Clint Macro, and this is my esteemed colleague, Matthew Mallory. Meet the Pressers is a safe place for trigger pressers to gather and talk about guns, gear, gadgets, training, political activism, religion, and some gun nerd stuff, talking about different types of firearms and the history behind them. Today we have a very special guest I'm excited for Matt to introduce.
0: Yes, Clint, I can do that. Ashley Lubinsky, curator of the Cody Museum. She's a producer and an actress, Midway USA Gun Stories, Brothers in Arms, Master of Arms, and she also works for the DC Project and Firearms Policy Coalition. We are tickled pink or red to have you here today, ma'am.
1: <laughs> I have pink on with my red hair.
0: So. <laughs> you're you're matching.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, I have to I have to correct like all of that, but uh, I'm not, I'm not curator of the Cody firearms museum anymore. I'm the curator emerita. Uh, I stepped back from day to day working with the museum I'm back in July. Uh, so my awesome assistant curator, Danny is now the curator there. So I'm still involved, but I'm not, uh, I don't have to deal with bureaucracy anymore, which is a lot Beautiful. of fun.
2: That's and,
1: good. uh, I'm not an actress. IMDB just says I am. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, how did you get into get into this world, and, yeah. and into the the museum industry specifically too?
1: So, it's not like a normal route. I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so people assume that I grew up around firearms. I did not. Um, I didn't even know that there was a rifle range in my high school um until like later and I guess it was really quiet um (laughs) these um but so I was someone that I grew up I had a lot of surgeries growing up I was in a wheelchair for part of middle school so I wanted to be a doctor that was like my pathway. And I was always interested in the history of medicine, but I guess I never really connected that people worked at historic sites and museums until I got to college. And I was going to college for the sciences so that I could go um, to medical school. And then I went on a Civil War medicine tour at Gettysburg, which is about three hours from where I grew up. And um, they were talking about how the advancements of weapons technology altered medical technology on the battlefield, mm. uh, specifically talking about the Minier ball. So the, first really adopted conically shaped cartridge um, and how the conical shape to the bullet actually caused more shattering of bone, which changed how the medical profession had to operate on the battlefield. Um, Fast forward, I went to Colonial Williamsburg, heard a similar spiel, but different technology. And I was like, this is really interesting. I never thought about that. So I changed my major to history, and my mom, the physics teacher, told me that I better have a job uh, when I graduated because history majors have a you know notorious reputation for not having jobs in our field. <laughs> and um, I just I, I started doing internships. So. I'll never forget this, I was uh, I had just gotten my wisdom teeth out and I had worked a full shift at DSW, the shoe store. So I was dressed real, you know, professional. And my mom was like, hey, there's this like, you know, room reopening in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. And uh, you know, we should go check it out because it was a Civil War room that was basically like locked like a time capsule. And she's like, you should go check it out, you know, you're getting into history and you know firearms and that kind of thing and so we went and they were packing stuff up at that point and there was a man that looked like he stepped out of the civil war and he was packing up a bunch of firearms and i was like oh is that a spencer rifle like the five things i knew about guns and he turned around and looked at me and was like i was very blonde and he was like And he was like, yes, it is. And so we started talking and he was actually the curator of the Soldiers and Sailors Museum Mm -hmm. in Oakland um, on the University of Pittsburgh campus. And he invited me to come down and interview. They had actually already filled their intern spot for the summer, um, but they added one for me. And so that summer, I basically had never held a gun before in my life. I had to identify over 200 different types of guns, you know what was modified with them, what they were, you know, all of the cataloging information, and I just got hooked on it. Um, and there was a gun on display there that a Civil War soldier had hand-carved every battle that he fought in into the stock.
0: Cool. Wow. And,
1: uh, yeah. And so that was, for me, you know, an eye-opening, eye-opening moment, because I was so interested in the technology, but I was like, man, this is really, you know... A story about people, yeah. yeah. There's a lot more social stuff going on here. And so after that, I did everything I could to learn about firearms. I learned how to shoot modern guns, historic guns, um, studied them in books, got internships wherever I could. That's where I ended up at the Smithsonian for three years. Uh, went to graduate school, um, tried to study firearms. That's its own, <laughs> that's its own story. Um, but I basically ended up studying the perception of guns in culture, including armed feminism and leftist firearms activism from the 60s and 70s fascinating topic uh very relevant today <laughs> yeah. and um and so yeah i just got hooked and i i started going out to cody on a research fellowship when i was in between my senior year of college and my friend my first year of grad school and then i never left and 10 years later here i am
2: a bolshevik socialist in cody wyoming
1: yeah oh i've been called i've been called a socialist a lot like a lot really Yeah, I get called it all the time because our museum is a historical museum. So we talk about firearms, good, bad, and indifferent. And the old museum was just kind of guns on display with not a lot of historical context. Now Mm -hmm. we have a 1,000 more guns on display. You're welcome, angry gun people. Um, (laughs) But because we do talk about, you know, social history and we talk about cultural history uh there are some some like in the and the numbers i can count on you know both my hands and that's it Um, but there are some hardcore older gun guys that didn't want it that way so you know we're socialists we get called it all the time so
0: so you mean they want you to rewrite history
1: uh they don't want me to write history at all i guess (laughs) Uh, and then the one thing that ended up being really fascinating was when we reopened the museum uh, we included, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Time Magazine mural um, that was from 2018. It was, uh, JR is a photographer that you know focuses on social issues, and so they did this uh, mural that was 250. 50 people equally represented across the gun debate. Um, so we don't get into right. politics with our, you know, with the museum, because we're a nonprofit. Um, and so, you know, we thought it was great because I, I don't know if you've had Di Muller on the show, but Die mm, yeah. is, she was the pro-gun, um spokesperson for it and i was in it gina roberts uh, oh gosh like everybody i know robin sandoval mm-hmm. uh, like so many people were a part of that mural and everybody including the nra who declined to participate um but then later said you know they had an article called about time and like everybody thought it was just this really great you know fair representation of the entire debate and so we put it up and yeah there was like a few people who were like you know politics and we're like it's art you're supposed to feel something um, and it's a fascinating mural but you know two years ago when we opened the museum you know it was a very different world than where we are this summer and um so there's two different representations of blm in that mural, and um, which is actually kind of fascinating because one representation, they're not holding guns and then the other, they are. Um, and so there's, but there's, you know, Black Lives Matter signs mm-hmm. in the mural. And so people see that and automatically assume it's a strictly Black Lives Matter, we're, you know, supporting it sign. And then they call my assistant, for now curator, I gotta get used to that, uh, and uh, call him a Bolshevik. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, you, you look at the First Amendment, and we all appreciate each other's ability to speak their mind. But the Second yep. Amendment's for everybody, no matter what your political leanings exactly,
1: are. Exactly. If you are an
2: American, then you have the right to keep and bear arms. Yep.
1: But it's funny because I think people just like glance quickly, and they see that, and then they just... You know, and and like, and it was funny because we had no concept until one day some guy came very angrily over to my, to Danny, I'm just going to call him Danny, Um, just just five years of calling him my assistant, Um, Danny, um, and Danny was like, oh no, (laughs) you know, and he started screaming to him about it, I was just, and I was still curator then, I was just out of town, luckily, Um, and so we learned like, we're in for it this summer, I guess, with that mural, but every time someone complains for the record, we keep it up longer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be up there forever then, with the way yep. our community yep. complains.
1: Well, yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hi, this is Luke Negron, your congressional nominee for PA 18, Pittsburgh and the South Hills. I will always defend your right to self defense as is lawfully provided under our nation's great Second Amendment. You are watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro.
1: the pressers.
0: Uh, what's on the horizon X any other shows movies?
1: Yeah um, so movies I'm not an actress we already covered that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just putting <laughs> it out there just want to see You've got all these no, credits.
1: No. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that. Um, lots of stuff so uh, when I when I became curator of the Cody Farms Museum uh, one thing that I worked on a lot was an aggressive kind of PR campaign for the museum because it had kind of gotten stale and a lot of people didn't know who we were. Um, And as a result of that, you know, I ended up starting a consulting business that the museum supported me doing as well, as long as I disclosed what I was working on, um, because I found that there were a lot of avenues for history um, in the gun world, but then also there were a lot of museums with guns in them, but very few people who were trained in museums and firearms, Mm -hmm. um, usually like, Someone who just really likes guns who's like on staff as like a janitor or like the security guard or something ends up helping with the firearms collection But you know, there's a lot of things to be mindful of when you've got firearms in your museum Especially if you're a non-government museum because you're bound by all gun laws Um, and so I started consulting for other museums and Doing workshops and coming in as guest curator and, and and working with their collections and then that started growing into doing You know, I started getting calls. I think Tom Gresham was the first one that called for his TV show. Um, You know, he he learned early, girls and guns, it's a thing. Um, (laughs) It's a popular uh, thing. So as I did more and more, um, I guess my Google ability got better because other production companies started calling me to do uh, different documentaries and that kind of thing. Um, So I had a full-fledged consulting business when I left Cody. And I always said I I wouldn't leave Cody until I could, you know, basically transition and it wasn't much of a change. So um, that was, you know, now. And so I am consulting right now. The museum world's a little rough because of COVID like Mm -hmm. a lot of museums are furloughing people. And um, but a lot, the one that I work with a lot and will be again um, come January is the mob museum in Las Vegas. Um, I will be procuring items for the mob uh (laughs) I like to tell people. So I work with to
2: transport them in a in a paper
1: bag. Yes, obviously. (laughs) With my my moonshine, because they have their own moonshining operation in the basement, uh, (laughs) um, which is a true story. Um and (laughs) so I'll be like I work with museums, but then I also work with gun companies on, like I said, civil and and and, um sometimes I I work with the government on criminal cases. Uh but I'm doing a lot for Farms Policy Coalition. I Mm -hmm. worked for their law firms, um, I filed a declaration um, in support of the California assault weapons ban injunction. And then I also filed a declaration in support of um, oh Gosh, I'm going to butcher the last name, but it's Guitas, Gaitas, uh, the Bt, the bump stock case mm-hmm. um and so i've been doing a lot of court cases um i've helped to, i just helped to cast a new gun show um which i can't really say other than i helped to cast a gun show we've got gun stories will be premiering um they're moving it i think to january so i'll be filming for that probably pretty soon and i always it's like and that's fun because i just get to sit down and they interview me for two hours on all the subjects and then i Leave which is pretty
0: nice it 's yeah. pretty interesting i I love how uh you know the, the success story that 's happened for you you just put your mind to it right yeah. you, you you said yourself that you you didn 't really know much about guns had never touched a gun, but you just got you just immersed yourself in it and you learned it and you and you wanted it and you wanted it bad enough and it's a success, that's, that's amazing. That, that's another it's an American I mean, story, right?
2: Yeah, another amazing example where you went on a path and then all of a sudden the door was dropped in front of you and you're like, oh, hmm, let me go through that door. And here you are, like years <laughs> yeah, later. Right?
1: Sometimes I'm like, should I have just been a doctor? This would have been a lot less dramatic.
2: You'd, uh-huh. you'd be able to wear one of those reflector things on your head and you'd have a nice white lab coat.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool. <laughs>
2: Hello, my name is Clint Macro, founder of the Trigger Pressers Union. I'm very honored to be among the 30 speakers who are going to speak at the virtual rally that's taking place October 24th. I think it's a wonderful thing that so many Americans are realizing what the Second Amendment means to them. There are millions of people who were not exercising their Second Amendment rights six months ago that are now, and I welcome you all into the fold. It's important to recognize that as Americans, we have many rights. Some people exercise them, some people don't, but those rights are there for us when we need them. They need to be protected. So as we move into this election season, my best advice is to make sure that you vet the candidates that you're voting for. Make sure that they will protect your individual rights and liberties, most chiefly, your right to defend yourselves and those that you love. So join me on October 24th, 2020, as we have the virtual rally, and we'll see you there.
1: I, you know, I get a lot of interviews asking about my gender, um, but the one thing that I found is that being a woman might have helped open some doors initially, especially in the TV world. Mm-hmm. But the the thing about what I kind of went through was that you might have gotten some doors open, but if you didn't know what the hell you were talking about, it would shut even harder.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I
1: agree. Back up, and so Um, you know, it's been kind of a stressful ride. I I have to say, I had a couple of people, you know, at gun shows, be like, "You're a political appointment to the Cody Firearms Museum." Initially, but for you know, after people talk to me, usually, usually, I don't know, maybe if I've been drinking, they don't talk to (laughs) me. But uh, you know, it's been pretty open-minded. I, you know, I know some people in the gun industry, in and of itself, you know, sometimes talk about some of the problems that still exist within the gun world but i think it's because i come kind of tangential to the industry i've been pretty fortunate overall which has been cool
2: so have you found uh where you come from with the educational museum aspect of has that helped in your pursuits with like dc project when talking Um, with legislators
1: yes yes and no so I live in a difficult world, um, which is that I'm an academic, which is difficult in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I deal a lot like, and and as a, you know, it's, I'm very fortunate because I actually deal a lot with pro and anti-gun people very, very regularly. And I get along with both, great. You know, I have very productive dialogues with both sides, um, probably more than most people. Um, and so as a result, I just have developed, um, I've developed a way to talk to people that don't necessarily agree with you um, and, and hear their side out. And, at, you know, honestly, when I became when I was started setting guns, I was a liberal Democrat as well. And you know, I get where a lot of people come from. Um, There are people obviously out there, you know, intentionally trying to be malicious, but then there are a lot of people who are just ignorant and don't know. Um, They think they know, but they don't know. And so I, you know, I deal a lot with those people. But um, the other part of that is that because I, you know, ran a museum for so long and we don't take sides in the museum, um, you know, I don't necessarily discuss my political views um, publicly very often. Um, and, And the reason for that is because that way, it, it allows me to be able to talk to anybody, you know, and they don't feel like, you know, I'm coming to the equation with something, you know? <laughs> right. And so the DC Project is interesting for me because, you know, it's the first time I've, like, you know, like, had to be like, yes, I am a gun owner. You know, it was just it's so <laughs> silly, you know, right? But it's just, you just get into this mode of, you know, being the academic. Um, but I really enjoyed going and talking to legislators because I do come to it with a much different view. Um, You know, I have my personal journey as to why I carry a gun, which I don't talk about very often because I think a lot of people, you know, have uh, more uh, convincing stories, Um, but when I went to the DC project, you know, I was coming from an academic background of, you know, here's the deal. There is not a lot of academic scholarship on firearms, uh, meaning that your researchers who are pulling stuff up, they're going to find dead ends. And when they don't find dead ends, the scholarship is often incredibly biased um, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that we fight in the academic world is a lot of the uh, traditional academics that do end up writing about firearms, they don't know anything about what we call the. a culture. So that's the museum artifact side of it. So they write these very big, you know, kind of existential theory-based histories applying firearms into it, but they don't actually know how the firearms operate. And so their conclusions, in my opinion, might be different if they actually understood the material culture. Um, there's a book out there that is like kind of the standard now academic book. It's called The Gunning of America by Pamela Hogg, and it's a piece of crap. Sorry, Pamela. It's beautifully written. Um, it's fascinating, but it's not. She doesn't know anything like, about guns and the way she describes guns. You know, um, it, it just doesn't like it doesn't make sense. And so like you know, a
0: politician making a law about a gun that they have no clue about the guns.
1: Exactly. Mm. So that's, you know, and I actually, it was, that was a question that was asked to me on PBS last year is do I get frustrated when people misuse terminology? And I said, yeah, it's not semantics. It's if you're going to write a law that is going to, you know, the, where the words matter, you should understand those words before you pass the law. I'm not telling you to pass the law or not. I'm just telling you to understand the friggin' thing before yeah. you do it. Yeah. And so when we talked to the legislators, you know, I was able to kind of explain one, that your researchers are going to have issues because they're either going to get a sterile, Thank <laughs> you. You know, gun collector, you know, nuts and bolts guide to guns, or they're going to get, you know, these very, you know, political history oriented I things know. by people who don't necessarily know about firearms. Right. And so we kind of talked about that. But then the other thing that I was on my soapbox is about museums and the fact that museums have to abide by gun laws, where in England, that's not the case. There's a firearms museum license, and you can, if you're a museum, you can collect whatever you want, regardless of what the civilian population, you know, can collect. So when we talked about universal background checks, um, with the legislators I was like, hey did you know that that may massively impact the museum and a lot of the democratic politicians and their you know staffers were like we had no idea mm. you know and so it was a different angle than I think they're used to hearing yeah. and so it wasn't mm-hmm. the emotional plea of you know this affects me personally but it was just this affects an entire you know industry that you support. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's not political, you know. Uh, I always say that's the least political like policy I could possibly try to bring to the table. Because if you hate guns, put them in a museum. If you love guns, preserve them in a museum, <laughs> you know. And that's so, that's actually it,
0: genius. Yeah, it
1: was it was actually you know a lot of fun to be a part of it. Um, and I they actually had me speak at the at the rally, which was fun. Because I said I was like, you know what happens when like a historian speaks at a rally is everybody falls asleep, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that happened. Yes, very much so. Not with you.
1: Fantastic. I made the conclusion because the DC project is wonderful and um, nonpartisan, which is something that I really like. Because, um, as I said, you know when I first got interested in guns, I was a Democrat, and all of my friends were Democrat gun owners, and. I thought it was really interesting when I got more into the gun world and that that was perceived as an oxymoron. I'm actually writing an article for Recoil on that right now. Uh, you know, where well, that- just,
2: uh, Being of- a Democrat doesn't mean anti-gun. At least it shouldn't anyhow. It
1: shouldn't, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't. So I'm actually writing it. I just wrote a history for Recoil that I'm going to submit today actually um, on liberalism and guns and, and you know, and the and the two party system and guns and when guns became partisan. Um, so, so strongly partisan. Um, and so I actually talked about women and guns go figure for the DC project but it was fantastic because there was this group holding flags behind me and I didn't see them and they had this cardboard Thing that they had written something on and I hadn't seen it until they were marching away and I went, oh, shit. Um, because I you know, started talking about women and guns because women have been a part of firearms history forever mm-hmm. um, and very involved. And the gun industry marketed to women really, really early on um, when the kind of modern consumerism came about. And so it's this fascinating history. But then I got into my armed feminists. Um, who were you know extreme leftist activists and the point of the ending point of my little rally speech was the fact that you know most uh, feminists today make fun of like women gun owners for wanting to carry a gun and most female gun owners scoff at feminism but actually they have each other to thank for where we are
3: uh, mm-hmm.
1: today um, because if it wasn't for the armed feminists fighting for self-defense, which is what they were doing back then, same rhetoric that, you know, refused to be a victim had, you know, 10 years later, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, you really have each other to thank for where you are. And the, the cardboard sign was, you know, the second amendment doing more for women than the entire feminist movement. And I was just like, ha, ironic.
2: Be the first kid on your block to have your official issue Meet the Pressers logoed gear. Visit the Meet the Pressers merchandise page on ballisticinc.com to get your high quality American-made Meet the Pressers shirts and hats.
1: Here's a question for you guys. Assault rifle, real or not?
2: Well, it's... it was it was propaganda from
0: Hitler, Stormgewehr, right?
1: Well, it's still a real dumb. It's still... okay. So here <laughs> so here's the way I look at it. An In inanimate okay.
0: object can't assault people.
1: And and that's, and that's where I'm coming. So by definition, it is a real thing. It's a classification of firearms to you know differentiate from other types of firearms. Mm-hmm. You can argue it's a useless term. You can argue it's a term that doesn't make sense. But it is in fact a definable term um, within our within our government. Um, and the I think it's um, oh gosh I think it's David Koppel that talks about that, uh, which is that it is a real term. You can argue it's stupid, <laughs> but you mm-hmm. can't argue it's not real. And I right. say that because I get crucified on the internet every time I talk mm-hmm. I, I ingest call something an assault rifle but I'm calling it that because it fits the definition you right. know which is a uh, selective fire intermediate right. cartridge single soldier portable detachable magazine you know all that stuff so it mm-hmm. is definable um unlike assault weapon which is kind of like this yeah. You know, it's different depending on the legislation. I'm actually, pro- I'm going to write an article for um, Firearms Policy Coalition about the origins of assault weapon because I want to know where the first time it was used. used um, nice. To try to get to the bottom of it. Um, I did find there's a military term that use that used it for like some kind of device that you put on top or like you attach to the end of a gun. They called an assault weapon. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm really intrigued by that because it is such a amorphous blob of yep. a term. Um, but it is funny because um, when I I did a thing for recoil and I was um, holding a Sdg 44 and. Oh, there's my dog. Uh, I was holding an SDG 44, and I was like, "Today, I'm going to talk about assault rifles," and I, and, you know, and I'm going to talk blaster. about one of the first. And I put the gun down, and I picked up the Burton Light Machine Rifle from the 19 teens um, that was developed by Frank Burton um, with Winchester, which fits the definition of an assault rifle decades prior to, you know, the formal adoption of the terminology and the type of technology and all that stuff. And I, you know, just was being funny, and like uh, Dave Merrill from Recoil texted me, was like, holy crap, I have no idea that gun people don't know the difference between assault rifle and assault weapon. So Mm -hmm. there were some people mad about assault rifle, but 99% of the commenters on the Recoil Facebook page didn't know the difference between an assault weapon and an assault rifle. And these are gun people. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, assault rifle is a made up legislative term, you know? And then they were like, and then they would interchangeably say assault weapon, assault rifle. Yeah, and luckily, a lot of like enough people defended me that I didn't really have to get involved in the argument. They were like, no, assault rifle means this. And it was just this fascinating quagmire yeah. uh, that I had no idea existed. And then when I did PBS, I was standing in front of a case of, um, Oh, it was a combination of modern guns, so there were some quote-unquote, like, uh, assault rifles and then there were some modern sporting rifles and you know so it was a combination of things but we were talking about the terminology assault rifle and assault weapon and you know what I said was factually correct the way they edited it because they obviously cut out a ton of stuff um, but it was factually correct um, but somebody got on me again because they didn't yeah. know the difference between assault weapon and an assault rifle and it was funny because I'm used to the argument of people that don't like the term assault rifle but understand it's different from assault weapon mm-hmm. but man I get beat up by people that have no idea in the gun world that these are two different meanings which is fascinating yeah.
0: Yeah. in new york state legislation it's assault weapon but we yeah. got we got politicians walking around saying assault rifle and you know and their the eggs, yeah and yeah. or automatic rifle and then i have to explain to them no it's armed well, and, and,
2: right. and i would venture a guess that those definitions vary state to state region to region yeah. i mean even in pennsylvania statutory law there are two separate definitions for firearm yeah. You know, yeah. let alone when you get into other other nuanced items. This has been a great conversation, and yeah. I'd love for you guys, to, I'd love for you to come back onto the show at some other time too. Before we close it up, could you just uh, tell people how to follow you or check out websites, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. Um. If you want to follow me, um, you get gun history you get booze history you get my food and my dog um you know and all get some selfies i'm um, at that lady curator on instagram and i'm at official ashley lebensky on facebook don't bother with my twitter because i don't tweet uh i have a twitter but you'll be very disappointed and then if you want to check out the museum i actually do all the social media for the museum as well um but you don't get dog pics and that's um at cody firearms museum for instagram and facebook and just at cody firearms on twitter
2: well, it's a pleasure having you on the show. It's, it's actually been a, a huge amount of fun for us, and I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we hope to see you some other time.
1: Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. All
2: right, thank Let's you for safe. coming on the show.
0: There's lots of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mountain Man Medical. Check them out and give them your business.
3: This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you!
0: Thanks for watching or listening to our show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click that little bell thingy so you know when the next episode's uploaded. Support us on Patreon. Come to one of our classes. Host us to come to you and do one of our classes at your location. And until next time. Adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.